We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Rigger. A pleasure to have you along. It's the Dukes and Texas State coming up on Saturday at Bridgeforth Stadium. Let's talk about the Bobcats with Clint Shields. He's a play-by-play voice on radio for Texas State. Hi, Clint. How are you, sir? They're doing real well. I hope you guys are doing well and uh, looking forward to getting up there this weekend and yeah. uh, getting into a place we've never been before. It's always fun to go to a new venue and, and get to new places. I was going to say, have you, you've never been here, have you? Nope, never have. Um, we were talking yesterday. My son and I were. His girlfriend was there, and I mentioned where we were going, and she kind of perked up and says, that where James Madison is? I said, yes, indeed. She, she'd <laughs> gone on a college visit there a number of years okay. back. So she knew where it was. I'm looking forward to getting up there and seeing it and seeing the facility, heard great things about it, and it's crowd support, and looking forward to a, a good, you know, a, a big home crowd, and it always makes for a good college football atmosphere. Yeah, no question about that. You know, now, you guys have obviously been in the Sun Belt for a while. When, when you heard of the expansion with, with JMU and Southern Miss, ODU, Marshall all coming in, I'm guessing that got you guys pretty excited, didn't it? Yeah, it did. We were at Sun Belt Media Days a year ago uh, in New Orleans when – the news of Texas and Oklahoma, which, you know, being a Texas school, obviously right. that, that captures your attention. When the news broke that they were, you know, likely leaving for the SEC. Now, fast forward a year later when we were there back in July, and not that's where it had started. And within a year, well, the Sun Belt had <laughs> talked expansion. And then, voila, the four schools that are coming in. And, oh, by the way, they're already going to be here when, when we gather again next <laughs> right. year. It was just an incredible turn of events. But, yeah, I was excited, obviously. You know, if you know who Brett Favre is in the NFL, you've heard of Southern Miss. Right. Uh, if you if you paid attention at all, you, you know who Marshall is. And, and being a Texas school and having friends over in Sam Houston and, and uh, knowing who James Madison is through their success in the FCS playoffs and, and, and Old Dominion, you know, I was like, that's, that's four quality you know, schools, let alone football programs, but schools and athletic programs to the Sun Belt. And then you look at the map and yeah. the way it all lays out. And boy, it was just a masterful job to put it together into one big contiguous conference like that. And that's kind of the, you know, when the, in this era of conference expansion, it was a tremendous job to bring those four schools in and be able to go east and west divisions. And so it was really exciting to watch it unfold. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a whirlwind, no doubt about that. And we're talking with Clint Shields. He's the radio play-by-play voice of the Texas State Bobcats. They come to Bridgeforth Stadium on Saturday. And, you know, how do you feel about the Bobcats after four weeks? There's been some ups, some downs, a good win last week over Houston Christian. But uh, how do you feel after five, after four weeks? You know, I, I, if you go back to Nevada, it was such a, it was a disappointing day, obviously, on the scoreboard at 38-14. to 14, But uh, you just you looked at the play on the field, and it was it was kind of some of the same mistakes that that you'd seen for the past four seasons that have kind of you know haunted Jake Spavital teams. And then they come home the next week against Florida International, a lot of a lot of new faces on that FIU roster. But there's some athletic talent anytime you're you're in South Florida, and so you really didn't know what to expect. But to go out and win that game, forty-one to twelve, it had been a long time since Texas State beat anyone in that manner, let alone an FBS school. So you kind of, I think, you had a, a stark difference from the Nevada week to the FIU week, and that kind of gave you some some cause for, you know, some hope as, as th- that's what this team can, can be like. You go to Baylor the following week, you knew that'd be a tough challenge going to Waco, uh, a top 20 ranked team. Uh, the reigning Big 12 and Sugar Bowl champs, and you know, a lot of people back, especially on the lines, and that's where they're so, so good. Uh, and it was a 14-7 game with a chance to get the ball back with about a minute in the first half and, and an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty keeps the drive alive for the Bears. They put it in the end zone to go up 21-7. 
But then your defense comes out in the second half and gets you three turnovers off the Baylor offense. You just couldn't do anything with them. Texas State crossed the Baylor 47 times in the in the day, uh, went forward on fourth down numerous times, only converted it once. Uh, it was kind of their game plan to, to stay away from the field goals and try and convert and score touchdowns. And ultimately gets away in the fourth quarter to the 42-7 score. But that game and the Nevada game, similar on the scoreboard, were starkly different. It's not about moral victories, but you can look at the effort and the intensity and the physicality at Texas State, and you can see the difference from week one to week three. You beat Houston Christian maybe like you're supposed to, 34 to nothing. But again, I go back to, to you know four and five years of watching Texas State football closely now. That's been something that hasn't happened. Um, the you know losing to an FCS school last year in the Incarnate Word, as good as they were, maybe wasn't supposed to happen on paper. The last time they played one was Nichols, and it was a 10-3 game in the third quarter before Texas State won 24-3. So you you got to go a ways to before you find two dominant wins in the first four games or the, all 12 games in the season if right. you want to stretch it out all the way. So to be 2-2 two and two right now, is a pretty big deal. It's, it's kind of it sounds kind of silly to say it out loud, but it's a big deal for this program to be two and two. It's the first time I think since 2014 that they've been two and two four games into the year. Okay, we're talking with Clint Shields, the radio play-by-play voice at Texas State. They come to Bridgeport Stadium to take on JMU on Saturday, and I got to talk to, to Coach Spavital, um down at the the Sun Belt Media Days, and really like him. Do you feel like like they've they've made lots of progress? I know it's year four, and the, the record is is what it is. It, it, it love to have it a lot better, but do you feel like they're in a much better spot right now than than, than they have been? Well, you know, you go back to when when he came in. That was kind of when I came in also. And the first time I stood on the practice field at Texas State, I was stunned at how small they were physically as they came off the field as a football team. As you know, high school football in Texas is is, is king of this state. And I'd been around some upper-level high school programs that physically reminded me of that Texas State team. Um, and so I was kind of shocked at that. He came in Jake Spavitol did and hit the transfer portal pretty hard to bring in guys not only with college experience but with physical maturity, guys who were 20 and 21 and had been at the college level, whether they'd played or not, for two and three years to uh, to kind of be able to bring a little bit more physically mature bodies in. And they have been so, so close so many times, third quarter games, fourth quarter games, and one play here, another play there winds up being the difference in winning and losing. And so the record, while it may not be impressive uh, in terms of wins and losses for Jake, uh, what, we're four four games into the fifth season. He's 10-29 and 29 overall. But, man, there have been some really excruciating near misses along the way that, that, that could have made, you know, the difference uh, in terms of momentum and, and carrying it forward. So you get to where we are in year four, and I see – I see differences. I see improvements. It's a matter of staying away from silly penalties, un- untimely turnovers, and every every team has to deal with that, obviously. But it's just something that they preach and have preached and haven't been able to to fully kind of put that ghost away. And when they do, you know, good things happen. I think defensively has really been the biggest improvement right. that I have seen out of this team over his three previous teams when you when you look at rushing yards down almost 100 yards a game passing yards the same total yards add those up it's almost 200 yards a game difference in the in the less category than last year and getting off the field was such a problem for those teams 49% third down conversion rate uh, 
for opponents last year. I think it was 46 the year before that. It's 29% right now. That's really been the biggest thing that they have done is been able to get in the backfield and disrupt. If, even if they don't make the tackle, they are able to to cause havoc in the backfield, which throws off the time and causes a running back to change direction before he wants to, et cetera. And that's going to be so, so key this weekend. Todd and is so good at quarterback. They're really good at the running back spots. Jake Spavadol told me earlier this week he thinks they're as good or better than Baylor uh, in the backfield, and that's saying a lot considering how good the Bears are. So defensively, I think, is where they've made the most improvements uh, year over year from last year to this. Okay, we're talking with Clint Shields from Texas State. He's their play-by-play voice. And I was going to ask about their defense. Uh, obviously, they're second in the league next to James Madison. Um, is this – I guess, what are, the, what are the biggest strengths for them defensively? Uh, talking to our coaching staff, they, they really like the, the guys up front. Is that the strength of this football team on defense? Yeah, I think it is. And I think a big part of that is depth. And that's not a word you've been able to use with Texas State defensively up front. Until this year, as I was preparing for the season and filling out, you know, spotter charts, my two deep, I was able to go three deep across the board, and that's not happened before. The the biggest addition uh, out of the transfer portal has been Levi Bell uh, to me. He's a, he's a guy who's a local to Austin out of the Cedar Park area, so just a little bit north of San Marcos, and and one of those journeyman stories uh, that you love to hear. Unrecru- lightly recruited. Uh, really no offers coming out of high school, started at the College of Idaho, which is an NAIA school in Idaho. He went from there to Tyler Junior College. He went from there to Louisiana Tech. And now he's transferred to Texas State to be closer to, to home with a couple of years eligibility remaining. He's second on the team in tackles. I think he leads the Sun Belt in tackles for loss. The first play of the game at Nevada, Levi Bell's in the backfield with a tackle for loss. I mean, he made an immediate impact. He brought his brother with him. Rare is it right. brothers <laughs> who get the chance to play together, and they're on the field quite often right next to one another. And when they when they combine in the backfield or combine on the stop, they're fun to watch. Levi's a lot more reserved than Ben is. Ben's got some you know, flowing red locks out from under his helmet and gets up and dances, <laughs> and Levi gets up and dusts himself off and goes and gets ready to do it again. So it's kind of funny to watch the two of them together. But, yeah, along that front, I think, has really been the biggest improvement. And Jordan Rebels, moving him from that – that front line to an outside linebacker spot, the ability to stand up in a two-point stance rather than a three-point stance really, I think, plays more to uh, to his game and has helped him move around and help that linebacker core. What concerns do you have defensively for, for them, if you have any? I think, it, it, again, up front, you've got to be able to create some pressure. If you can, if you're stalemate in the line, I mean, that's good, but if you're a defensive lineman and you've got, you're tied up with an offensive lineman, where's that third arm going to come from to, to try and tackle somebody, you know? So the ability to get in the backfield and, and tie up blockers or, or just create havoc, um, and you're going to have to hold up front, obviously, with, with what James Madison likes to do, they're very balanced offensively. And I think Todd Centeno does, does a great job, and you can't forget about him. In the run game, obviously, where Blake Shapen at Baylor hurt uh, Texas State, and the same with Nevada, was kind of in the third and fourth quarter uh, after you'd kind of been lulled to sleep a little bit, and then they'd use the run game with the quarterback in, in certain spots. I think it's a little bit different with uh, with JMU, and they use him a little bit more, and he's very, very good at it. So he just gives you another uh, another body you've got to pay attention to, and you can't go to sleep just concentrating on running backs. And then, you know, of course, he can throw it around as well. So. It's a really well-rounded offense, but I think you've got to be able to to be strong up front and go in your and that's you know easy to say, hard to do against a really experienced and, and another good offensive line. 
Okay, we're talking with Clint Shields. He's the play-by-play voice at Texas State as they come to Harrisonburg on Saturday. And tell me about Lane Hatcher. Obviously, he was at Arkansas State for a long time, had, had some really good numbers there. He's off to a good start this year with 10, 10 TDs and just four interceptions, but uh, he's played well, a veteran guy that's been through about everything. But has his transition been pretty seamless for you guys? Everything that I've heard, you know, says yes. And I'm talking about off the field stuff in the locker room. He came in and, and was immediately, uh, you know, welcomed by those guys, voted team captain. And I think that says a lot for a guy who's a who's a transfer in. Uh, you saw him in the last game of the year last year, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, when Texas State won at Arkansas State. <laughs> right. Jeff Gandy, my my partner and I, we were we were in the booth and talking about that game and. We get to September, and I looked at Jeff, and I said, if you had told me then that we'd have the starting backfield, Lane Hatcher and Lincoln Perry right. from Arkansas <laughs> State in San Marcos, I'd have said you're crazy. It's just the way of college football these days. But he has, you know, he's, he's settled in nicely. You know, you go back to, to last week, first drive of the game, Bobcats are moving. He underthrows a ball that gets intercepted at about the one-yard line. Instead of hanging his head, he's a he's a monster in the film room. Jake Spavadol says, and Jake's a, a, a quarterback guy, um, and so he he put it away, he compartmentalizes things well, put that away, goes on to throw three touchdown passes in the first half, and another in the uh, in the fourth quarter, four for the game. So put it away and, and got back to work, and he does a pretty nice job, I think, of of doing what he's asked to do, and that's not necessarily to take over the game and throwing deep balls, but he does a good job of managing it, checking down, getting to the to the right read uh when he's, you know, got time. Any any quarterback who gets pressured kinda has to kinda has to ad lib a little bit, but when he when he's got time in the pocket, he does a nice job of, of going through his progressions and finding the right guy and then putting the ball where it needs to be. And he's got some weapons to throw to, obviously. Ashton Hawkins is off to a tremendous start, thirty four catches in, in four games played, five TDs so far, some others a pretty deep receiving core. Uh Calvin Hill is back. You mentioned Lincoln Perry coming over from Arkansas State, but uh, it seems like there's there's some veteran experienced guys at the skill spot for you. Yeah, there are. Ashton Hawkins, who you mentioned, a transfer from Cisco College last year, being his first year in San Marcos, uh, really came on uh, as the season went on. He wound up with 30 receptions for the year. He's got 34, as you mentioned, through four games, including a a school record 13 at Baylor. He scored touchdowns uh, in in all four games, five total for the year. They list him at 5'10". I've been next to to Ashton multiple times. I don't think he's (laughs) 5'10". But he's just one of those guys who carries himself, and, and Jake Spavadol has coached a lot of really good guys across uh, across his career that are now playing in the NFL. And, and Ashton carries himself that way with confidence and belief that you know he can. Every receiver believes they're open, but I mean Ashton really thinks that and and carries himself that way. Till Groves, not sure if you'll see him. He's had a battle, a little bit of a, a hamstring issue. We'll see. But Charles Brown's been another good addition through the portal, and then two guys who were. Who were already here? Marcel Barbie, who finally got on track last week with six catches and a touchdown. He's got 16 in uh, in his Bobcat career. And Javen Banks out wide. He's a speedster. He's got 17 touchdowns and uh, averages, I think, more than 24 yards of reception in his Texas State career. So weapons out there. Calvin Hill, another guy listed at 5'11. Calvin's not 5'11, but does a really <laughs> good job of kind of. You know, getting lost in, in behind his offensive line and being patient and then popping through holes. And he and Lincoln last week, you know, combined for 34 carries and 145, 150 yards. So it was a good workmanlike effort. Um, out of those two, Jamil Jeter, 
didn't see much of him last week, but he's a, a bigger body, a six foot uh, one guy, uh, transfer from Oklahoma State. And we've seen a little bit of Josh Berry transfer from Blinn, who I think of the running back guys probably has the best, you know, straightaway north and south speed. He's a he's a guy who's got that kind of fifth gear if he should get through the hole. So, yeah, they, they've got a lot of weapons. Obviously, it starts up front. It's an experienced offensive line and. They're looking to get one back in Evan Lovell, who's uh, been battling a little bit of an ankle injury, hadn't played yet this year, but was out of the boot last week. I don't know if he'll play this week or not, but you're asking a lot of that uh, of that offensive front against a really good uh, JMU defense, obviously, allowing only 85 rushing yards a game. And, you know, every quarterback, every coach, rather, is going to tell you, you've got to be able to run the ball to have success offensively. And, and that's certainly true this week for Texas State. If, and if it's raining, hey, it even takes on more importance. Right. Yeah, no question. We're talking to Clint Shields, the play-by-play voice at Texas State. And, you know, the offense and even listening to Coach this week, it just it's been a little inconsistent. Why has it been so inconsistent so here here early on in the season? Yeah, if you if you talk to them, it comes back to physicality is the word that they that they kept using. They weren't happy with especially the play of the offensive line necessarily at Nevada, uh, even out at the receiver core. Didn't feel like they got a lot out of some of those guys in terms of blocking and even just route running. They were kind of going through the motions rather than running with some intent and. Uh, They've been harping on those guys to to pick up that effort, and I think really and truly it comes down to to missed assignments up front. Um, you know, you, you, you say a receiver's going to go the wrong way once in a while. It happens, but when uh, when an offensive line's having a hard time keeping uh, keeping the pocket clean, uh, keeping guys out of the backfield, it's it makes life hard for a quarterback trying to throw or running backs trying to find lanes to run. And I think that's been the biggest inconsistency so far and I don't think it's necessarily a bad ability I just think that they've had some episodes where uh, you know guys maybe lost focus I think in the second half last week as Jake Spavadol put it the offensive line two or three of them just kind of seemed to kind of take their foot off the gas and you know he had a hard time getting them to put it back on after uh, you know they ran up like 326 yards in the first half so it comes down to just being consistent, and the third quarter has been a, a bit of a bugaboo for the, the Bobcats the last couple of seasons. They've only scored three points in the third quarter so far this year through four games. So you've got to come out after halftime and be able to, to pick back up you know, where you left off in the first half. Should be a lot of fun to get a 1.30 kickoff here locally as the Bobcats are in town. Texas State and JMU, their first meeting ever as, again, members of the Sunbelt Conference now. Clint, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. My pleasure, indeed. We will look forward to seeing you guys as well. Stay safe, and uh, we'll see you on Saturday.